Welcome back, and thank you for joining us here on the Mission Podcast, the podcast that takes you into the world of corrections through stories and interviews with Tennessee Department of Correction officers, staff, and offenders. You know, United States General Eric Shinseki once said, if you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance even less. One thing that gets said often about corrections is that the one constant in this field is that there is always change. A better way of looking at it is that the field of corrections is constantly evolving, working to implement procedures that ensure the safety of officers, staff, and offenders at the lowest possible risk, as well as programming that helps rehabilitate offenders, addressing their criminogenic needs, and preparing them for a successful re-entry back into their communities. We here at the Tennessee Department of Correction have not only embraced the need for change and evolution over the years, but feel in some aspects we are leading the charge and setting the bar, utilizing evidence-based programming and adhering to industry best practices. With the new year upon us and the book on 2018 closing, we felt this was a good time to take a look back and reflect on the changes that have taken place within our very own department examine some of the practices and procedures that have been put into place over the last several years and resulted in TDOC having some of the best, safest facilities in the country. And who better to talk to than some gentlemen who've been a part of TDOC for the better part of three decades. Warden Tony Mays of the Riverbend Maximum Security Institution, Warden Mike Paris of the Morgan County Correctional Complex, and Warden Sean Phillips of the Northwest Correctional Complex. I recently sat down with these three esteemed correctional professionals to discuss the changes they've witnessed within TDOC throughout their respective 30 plus year careers and how they've seen our department grow and evolve for the better. So Warden Mays, I'll start off with you. One of the big policies that went into effect several years ago were enforcement on um, property restrictions and what offenders could, couldn't have and how much of it that they could have. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, that was one of the best things that uh, this department undertook and that was under the administration of uh, Mr. Schofield. Uh, We always have enforced the amount of property that an inmate could have in his cell or her cell and it was just safety reasons all the way around. Uh, safety within the cell. I mean, I've seen cells we walk into back in my day. I don't know about these gentlemen, but you're basically stumbling over property when you enter the cell. Uh, it also gives inmates more places to hide their contraband. Uh, an officer can spend less time inside of that cell in regards to searching that cell. The less property, the less you have to go through. So that was a real biggie, and it looks good. It makes good for an overall environment. Actually, I've seen it build the inmate esteem himself. Uh, he go inside the cell, his cell looks neat, he feel good about his cell, he feel good about himself. So it helped It helped all the way around. That's incredible. So this is a policy that wasn't just specifically for the, the safetyness of officers and staff or to, to improve um, cell searches, but this was all around for all involved, all parties, offenders, their cellmates, staff and officers inside the unit, et cetera. Exactly, and I believe that the less time that a staff member spend inside of a cell searching it, uh, the more quality we get out of that staff member doing other things. And of course, I'm sure the inmates enjoy it as well because that's the less time an officer have to spend inside of their cell. 
That's excellent. That, that yeah. sounds great. Yeah. Warden Paris, to expand a little bit on the property restrictions and everything, some people might ask, well, you, you put these into place. Uh, how do you know they're being abided by? That was another thing that was put into place years ago was mandatory cell inspections. Can you tell us a little bit about those cell inspections? Every day, Monday through Friday, the wardens spend from 9 to at least 11. It's usually longer than that, but at least two hours every day making cell inspections, going in every building. Uh, if you got the large institutions, you may take more than one day to get to every building, but at least every building a couple times a week. You go in an inmate cell, and to mention what Warden May said, not only are they neater, uh, it's more uniform. The inmates have to make a bed a certain way, mm -hmm. nothing under the bed except their shoes lined up in a neat manner. It just looks good and it makes it easy to search, as he already said. But it also gives the inmates some ownership and pride that, yeah, he's, he's incarcerated, but he still lets his house. And it's clean, the standards of cleanliness in Tennessee Department of Corrections are better than most restaurants you go in on the street. I mean, seriously. Yeah. So with that requirement being out of the compound, that also increases your visibility as wardens. Is that correct? And, and gives us more time to interact with the inmates. You know, sometimes little issues where an inmate maybe didn't get the right portion at a meal or thought he didn't, if you can deal with that, it keeps it from coming up to a bigger issue. And that communication is very key. I'm, I'm sorry, wouldn't you? It's not just the, well, it is, that's a big issue. They may see you there in your presence with the staff as well. Uh, the, the more that the staff see administration out, it makes the staff feel like administration care more about them uh, on the day-to-day -day activity. Uh, and heaven forbid if you pitched in and helped do something to assist them during their daily duties, then that makes things more uh, cohesive and that bond you build with your staff as well. Excellent. Warren Phillips, would you like to add anything to that before we move on to, to you for your official question? Yeah, just, just to echo what they said, it, it not only helps with the staff and the inmates, but it's the overall morale of the institution. You can see a difference in the way the institution operates. Uh, going into that cell search and those cell inspections, we actually have a diagram. So, so we know when we look at a cell, we can tell if something's out of pocket, if something's out of place, and it, and it makes it, you know, uh, the first thing you see, I guess, the curb appeal when you walk into a unit is clean. You see those cells, and like uh, Warden May said, the inmates, a lot of them, they take pride in that. And they see that, that you know, it makes a difference on how they're responded to and how that, that reaction from staff comes. But along those same lines, the safety is first and foremost. Uh, when you go in that cell, you can automatically tell if, uh, you know, it's commissary day. Uh, you may have an issue, an inmate's talking about having so much commissary, and if he's not ordered commissary in a long time, and he's got, you know, $100 worth of commissary in his cell, it's easy to tell because we have a certain place for that, and it helps us look at different issues uh, as far as the inmates and how they interact and deal with each other. But the cell inspections and the the way the cells are kept and the neatness of that also gives the inmates some structure. Everything in the prison is about a schedule, uh, and that schedule gets off in the morning, it's off all day. But with, with that schedule and with that structured environment, it, it gives the inmates some purpose and gets them started off on the right foot every day. Like you said, getting up, cells in the neat order, make their bed, everything's lined up. They got a purpose when they get up. They don't just wander around. They actually have a purpose as soon as their feet hit the floor in the morning, and that makes a big difference. Structure is very, very important, and I, I think it's phenomenal that, that you pointed that out because that segues into my next question for you, Warden Phillips. There's a lot of movement every single day within our facilities. Offenders go 
going from their, their cells to, to kitchen to work or to eat, going to jobs within um, the compound and outside of the compound, et cetera. What have we done as, as an agency to ensure that all that movement is very structured and, and to ensure the safety of both those offenders and our staff with all this movement going on within our compound and outside? Uh, sitting here between the three of us is probably a little over 90 years of correctional eyes, so uh, to say it was chaotic back in the day is, is an understatement. Uh, we just manage that chaos a lot of times. Uh, the implementation of tier management and control movement has definitely changed the way we operate our prisons and made them a lot more safe and secure for not just the inmates but the staff as well. Most of the inmates uh, you know, want to come in and do their time and they want to live in a safe environment. And the tier management basically lets us take any type of housing unit that we have and just have to deal with half of those inmates at a time. Uh, whether it's a 128-man unit or whether it's a 64-man unit, half of those inmates are out at a time for different movement, whether that be going to the lunch, breakfast, or supper meal, whether that be to the rec yard, whether that to the gym. Uh, that way that officer has less inmates to deal with, less inmates to control, and there's call-outs in that structured movement once again. When they do come out, uh, they're single-file line. We have... Uh, walkways that have arrows, directional arrows, and lines painted for those inmates to walk in an orderly fashion, coming and going. That way, if something does happen, it's easier to manage. It lets us control that movement. We can stop it. We can look at what's going on. We can identify who's going on rather than having 40 or 50 people bunched up walking around if you got folks in a single file line. That's the same way coming and going from the chow hall in any type of movement. Uh, it's really changed the structure and let us get a lot more stuff done in the same amount of time that before uh, where we were having to manage and you know hunt for things and, and see what was going on we can control what goes on and have a definite idea of what's happening uh, along that same time we started a uh, computer generated passes we've always issued passes to inmates to go to different places but uh, before the day actually starts, every institution has a list of computer-generated passes that go to all the housing units, so those inmates know what time they have to be somewhere, when they have to go, the officers know. Once again, that helps with that control movement and that, that structure throughout the course of the day. Imagine the chaos, as Sean stated earlier, uh, say 50, 50 inmates going from one location to another. Uh, would you have them going in a mob style fashion or would you rather have a structure everyone lined up uh, pants pulled up shirts tucked in uh, basically no one should be speaking or talking anyway and imagine an officer had to go between that 50 mob that is chaotic inmates feels well I mean inmates feel safer knowing that I don't have to worry about walking through a crowd of inmates and possibly coming out with something wrong with me. But if you got everything in an orderly fashion, decent in order is the way I like to say it, uh, it's just, it just a good overall picture all, all together. Safety and security, I know it is with me, it's with them. Safety and security within the facility, it means the world to inmates and staff alike. So that's a real good thing. Not only is the movement more orderly, with the master call-out list and the computer-generated passes, you know exactly who's going to a church service, you know what time people are going to medical for what medical appointments, and everybody has 
you just ask for that pass and if he's not where he's supposed to be it's real easy to find that out used to it was chaotic there was 50 people moving you didn't know where they were supposed to be yeah. they could tell you this and that's and that. that's real important in an emergency situation yes. something may happen and we may have to you know we may have to lock the institution down and do a count mm-hmm. we have an out count process like for for general call outs like all your kitchen workers for your school students for vocational students but at any given time in a unit you may have 10 to 12 inmates that are at the dentist, at the doctor, uh, seeing their counselor or talking to the chaplain. There's a list. When we call that count, uh, instead of having to send people and herd these guys up, we can look at that list. Okay, this inmate's here. Go get this one. Go get this one. We know where they're at. And it cuts that time down to get everybody in place and to get them back in a secure location. I'm going to say less than half because we don't have to hunt and we don't have to wonder, well, where's where's John Smith at? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in the chapel, so we go get him. Whereas before, you know, we may have just sent him out and just wrote to him, made a pass, and we had no copy of that. We had no way to confirm that. But now we have a better structure and a better way to keep track of every inmate at that place at all times. So. That's incredible. A lot of these policies and procedures that have been put in place seem to directly affect the offenders. Now, you've said that they, they seem to enjoy it afterwards. What was the transition like for them? Uh, was there a lot of pushback? Um, or did they, did they immediately see the benefit and... Human nature is human nature. I mean, offenders is human just like we are, and no one likes change. Um, I'm all for change, especially when it's good change. Of course, when people get in their ruts and they like doing things the old way and they don't want to be bothered and when this was working. But of course, on set, it's always going to be, I can't speak for other facilities, but it's always going to be a few say, why do we have to do this? Time passes by and once you hold them to that foot to the fire and show them the uh, pluses of it, then they they come around. They, they know that everything we do, whether they want to admit to it or not, is for the betterment of the facility, the betterment of their safety, the betterment of staff safety. Uh, it's always going to be some pushback, but you slow walk yourself into it. Uh, if you're going to begin to management, say, next month, you don't want to wait the next month to let them know, okay, we're doing tier management. Put out your curriculum. Y'all can agree or disagree. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, and then what we're going to do, this is what we're going to begin a month from now. This is the wise, and this is what is going to be expected of you. Inmates receive that better than you just, per se, just shoving it down their throat. Good communication is the key to success. So yeah. if you put these changes out to the inmate population prior and, and enough time for them to kind of mull that over before you put the change in place, you have a whole lot less pushback. And that goes back again to us being on the compound, you know, when we're out. We do the inmate council meetings, which are broadcast on our in-house closed circuit system. And anytime we're going to do an initiative like that, you know, the inmates first and foremost, they're people. They're just like us in some some respect where if you're going to have a change, you don't want to find about it five minutes before you walk into it. Or or we, uh, everybody in this room, you're going to get some pushback from us. But like, like Mr. May said, we explain that to them, we hold that, and we go to inmate council. And that's not something that we have to do. It's something that benefits us as well as makes it easier on the staff because all those initiatives that we push out, that those correctional officers are the ones to deal with that day in and day out. So everything that we do, uh, success or failure, depends on 
those correctional officers that are the, the you know the front line, the boots on the ground. So we meet with those folks and we, we tell them, here's what we expect here of the inmates. Here's what's going to go. Here's how it's going to happen. Uh, you know, what can we do to make it better? And we've got some good ideas from our line staff, and then we, we pass that on down, and then we get to the inmate population, and it's not a question of necessarily if they want to or not or getting their buy-in. It's just giving them that opportunity to know because you're going to have that 5% or less that's never going to comply, that's never going to get with the program, uh, that, that's, that's the reason they're in prison. But, you know, that other 95 to 98%, uh, They've made a mistake. They're there to do their time. They're going to comply. They're going to do what it takes. And then, like Warden Mays and Mike both said, at the end of the day, they both, they all know that everything we're doing is to create a better environment for them to do their time, get rehabilitated, get the opportunities they need to be successful once they get out. And all this plays into that all the way up to the time they hit the back door and go out. So, Because inmates are internal customers. I mean, a lot of people don't want to see it that way. But they're internal customers. We're to provide them certain things by law, and we need to make sure they get that. And the better communication you have between staff and inmates, the better that works. Absolutely. Well, offenders who, who understand are communicated with and shown respect are obviously going to return as respectful citizens. And that's kind of what I was leading to with that original question. I think that speaks volumes not only to how well you guys are running your facilities, but to your staff and your officers for these changes to go over almost impeccably well and so smooth. Again, just kudos to you being out there, communicating with the offenders, communicating with the staff, and empowering your staff to kind of take charge and lead the way and help explain within their units and when they're out there running the ball field, communicating with these offenders, making sure that everyone was on the same page. It's absolutely phenomenal. I know you guys are super busy, but I got one more question for all three of you. Uh, feel free to answer individually or as a whole, but as you said at the beginning of the interview, 90 plus years of experience between all three of you, and that's phenomenal, and we thank you for your service. Not that things were not safe before, but in the last seven or eight years, would you say that TDOC is operating safer facilities now, and why? I would say things are more structured. It's better structured. I mean, it's, it's, uh, we've stated more than once. We don't want to continue to sit here and boast about our time of service, but I've seen a lot of water go under the bridges. Um, Things are more structured now in the last seven, eight years. Um, not that it was, wasn't before, but you know, improvement is always better. It's, if, if you're not gonna change, especially for the betterment, then you're just in the same rut. Uh, I can see, uh, compared to when I started, inmate movement, as we stated before, inmate sales, uh, maybe even inmate morale, uh, one of the, best things that I think that have came along here recently and I didn't want to get into it because it's a deep subject and that's the Public Safety Act. Uh, we're all about rehabilitating an individual if he or she wants to be rehabilitated. Uh, but to re-enter society is a better individual than they were before they came in. Uh, to know that individual and he know what his needs is and we as a department attempt to meet those needs if he allow us to help him meet those needs. Help him re-enter society as a better individual. Uh, strong R's is designed as part of that 
Public Safety Act to identify what John Doe inmate needs to make him succeed more in and when he reenters society, hoping to keep recidivism rate down. Uh, many things contribute to that. Uh, those individuals that are going home, they're going to live next door to you. Uh, you're going to see them at, at Publix, at Walmart. I didn't, didn't mean to call names. I don't know if I'm supposed to do that or not. But anyway, uh, they're going to read in society one day. And I mean, it's what it's all about, is to help them to stay out and not come back. So the more you can do as a staff member with every little thing that you do, helping him appreciate his cell better because it's clean, makes him feel good about himself. Uh, single file line when you walk, respect not only for your fellow man and the staff, but for yourself as well. Doing things in an orderly, neat fashion, caring about your educational mind to, to learn how to love your family and just just everything that's what is structured and molded around and in this past I would say seven eight to ten years uh, I see I see good things in the department and I thank you staff alike as well as inmates uh, cooperate and do things the way it's supposed to be we're going in the right direction Absolutely. Our processes are so much better now than they were when I started. It was kind of managed chaos, and sometimes it wasn't managed very well. We have probably some of the best processes in the nation. Uh, the control movement, we've got all these reentry things going on so inmates can get ready for when they reintegrate into society. Uh, we're getting a driver's license. That's all things that's happened in the last seven, eight years. Uh, and you have to get people ready. We used to just turn an inmate out. He wouldn't have an ID card. He might not have no money. We used to turn him out on the street and expect him not to come back. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that makes no sense. So now we've got processes in place that start from the day this inmate's committed. Same as supervision. And, and it goes even after it. If he's on parole, when he leaves the facility, then somebody picks him up on the community supervision side to make sure that he's getting what he needs. And the only people that are coming back to prison just aren't getting it. They're just, that 5%, like Warden Phillips mentioned, they're just always going to not comply and be that way. But our processes are really solid, and I think we're in a much better place than we were when I started a long time ago. I would have to agree. Warden Phillips, is there anything you want to add before we close out? In one word, I would say, you know, absolutely. Uh, the processes we have, is it safer? Yes. But you've also got to consider, if you, if you look at society as a whole, you know, are the processes that we have in society, we've got more technology, we've got a better way of dealing with things, but yet we still see the violence in society just increasing day after day. Every little prison in the state, you know, is a snapshot of society. Yes. And even though we have these processes, the culture of, of, of society right now, uh, folks will want to argue, you know, we still have assaults, we still have this. Well, of course we do, because we've just got that little snapshot of society, you know, a lot of times with 2,000 of those people fenced in inside of about 30 or 40 acres. Mm -hmm. Of course we're going to deal with the same type of stuff, but like they both said, the processes we have in place and the structure we have in place allows us to manage that in a lot better and safer environment than we ever had before. And we continue to move in the right direction. We make strides. Had the opportunity through uh, some different organizations that the state has and deal with, and uh, both uh, Mike and Tony have both said, 
uh, we're leading the nation in a lot of those aspects because of the the, the measures that we've taken, the, the procedures and the stuff we put in place, and uh, we're just we're just expanding on that every day. We're getting better and doing things that, that make us better and uh, create a safer place to work and for the inmates to live. So yes, absolutely. That's excellent to hear. I think. And if I may, and I know time is of the essence. Uh, it's all about. Uh, doing the job, public safety. Uh, we're uh, employed to do a duty to a, a community, a citizen, uh, a paid duty that, to make our environment safe on the outside as well. And that's, that's what it's all about. I spoke about recidivism earlier, but making our communities safe. That individual becomes incarcerated. Uh, when he and she, he or she leaves our department, we want them to go back. And I've seen some uh, on the other side of the fence that have approached, and I'm sure they have as well, and said, I just want to thank you for what you did while I was in there. You made me a better person, open eyes. That's what it's all about. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. I want to again thank Warden Mays, Phillips, and Paris, not only for joining me for our roundtable discussion, but also for their service to TDOC and the citizens of Tennessee. I'd also like to thank the 6,000 plus officers and staff within our department who are on the front lines, seeing that all the policies and procedures we have in place are carried out correctly and as intended. It is through their work we accomplish our mission of operating safe and secure prisons and providing effective community supervision. Through their work, Tennessee is safer. Thank you all for listening to this episode of The Mission. Please like, comment, subscribe, and share. And don't forget to also check us out on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. And if you'd like to dig even deeper into TDOC and its mission and operations, head over to our website, tn.gov correction, where you can find a plethora of information about our department, including information regarding employment and how you can launch a career with TDOC, the state's largest law enforcement agency. Again, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Happy New Year and be safe.